1: What is up, everybody? Welcome into the BSN Buffs Podcast presented by Canyon Bakehouse. As always, it's me, your host, Henry Chisholm. Um, we're going to talk some more Buffs today. I just re-watched the Air Force game, so we can talk a little bit more about that. But Mel Tucker has his rule, 24 hours to think about the game, and then you move on. You learn what you can, and then you get it out of your head because thinking about losing leads to more losing. So, we are going to wrap up the Air Force talk today, uh, talk just a little bit about uh, the Arizona State game that's coming up on Saturday. Uh, I was up in Boulder this morning, of course, talking to a couple of the offensive linemen, Coach Cap, and we're going to talk through some of that stuff as well. But before we jump into the show, I want to tell you about the delicious certified gluten-free breads, bagels, English muffins, and other baked goods that are made right here in Johnstown, Colorado. Canyon Bakehouse's gluten, dairy, nut, and soy-free products make it easy for families to enjoy the taste and texture of fresh bread so everyone can love bread again. Find them at any major grocery store in the freezer or fresh bread aisle or purchase online and visit canyonglutenfree.com to grab a coupon. Okay, um... Let's start by talking about what I learned this morning in Boulder. And there are a few key points. And the biggest is really the story of the season so far for the Colorado Buffaloes. And that's just the inconsistency, the inability to replicate what they can do with their backs up against the wall early in game so that they don't get put into that situation. You know, there's been a lot of different takes on what's causing it, whether it was overlooking Air Force this week, whether they just came out slow. And uh, that is the focus of what is going on in Boulder right now, trying to figure out how to fix it. You know, I, I, like I said, I just finished re-watching the Air Force game, and I watched the Pac-12 Network broadcast, of course, and before the game, uh, I think it was Chad Brown, no, it was a Sideline Reporter, talking about how last week uh, in the... I think it was in the weight room. They were just playing a boxing match, the first round of a boxing match, over and over and over again. And that's how Mel Tucker tried to get the guys going. Like, look, these are, these are guys who are starting out hot. You show up and you got to fight right from the beginning. That's the way sports work. Otherwise, you're going to take a blow and be stuck coming back from behind. Uh, kind of interesting. I, I didn't get anything like that like, out of the guys today. But there was a lot of talking about how How do you fix this? How do you become consistent? How do you start fast and stay fast? And it's really hard to do. Um, let's get into the details, I guess. This has been pretty broad. Uh, it started with Mel Tucker. And Mel talked about that same stuff. Just the importance of it. Trying to explain that it can't happen. There are good players on every football team, and if you let them get a leg up, it's going to be tough to come back. You know, I had a couple minutes to talk with Tim Lenott, and he had some interesting stuff to say. You know, we talked about how the offensive line looked better in the second half than it did in the first, and he said, you know, a lot of it's just energy, but also the communication was better. You could tell that they were all on the same page, that they all knew what they were doing, just because they were communicating better in the second half. He said there weren't really any coaching adjustments made. They didn't change their schemes. They didn't send help to one side. They didn't do any of that kind of stuff. It was just that he felt like they started talking better, and maybe because of that, there was a little more energy out of that group. And I asked him, you know, what do you what do you do to keep that going into this week against... Arizona State Pac-12 play. He he said, you know, we just do what you can to be energetic, you know? It's it's tough. I I kind of feel that trying to come on here and like bring this energy every day so that it isn't just me sitting back and being a little bit dry because sometimes I do catch myself, you know, talking slowly. Uh not being energetic, you know? It's it, it some days you just drag a little bit, but in in my job just as much as his you're just required to bring energy every single day and it's not always easy to do and i i wish that there was some easy way to just make that happen for him but you know we talked about that kind of stuff we talked about the importance of the communication and it gets tougher when they're rotating in different players in that offensive line and that's something he noted you know a couple of the backup guards got some time late in the game, the last few series, um, talking to Coach Cap, he said he just wants to see what they can do. And it's not really a surprise because back before the season started, he said, you know, we're happy with this five. This is the five that we're going to go into the game with, and we expect them to play well. But at the same time, some guys react differently in game situations when they're facing new opponents. And some guys will take a step forward, some guys will take a step back, and you really don't know what you have until you see it against outside competition. And, you know, it, it, it Cap made it clear that there was probably going to be some rotating at some point, just so guys could get something on tape, just to prove what they could do. You know, and we saw that late. Um, and that's something that I do expect to see going forward. I, I asked him, you know, is there any thought of rotating guys in situationally you know if if it's the late in the fourth quarter and you need a touchdown short clock are you going to throw a better pass blocker out there than a run blocker he said no that's not what it is it's just about getting reps to some guys who haven't had the opportunity to get reps to see who can really take a step forward and prove that they can make the offensive line perform better you know the offensive line hasn't been terrible it hasn't been as bad as it was last year, at least in my opinion. Um, but it looked like it was in the first half of the game this week. You know, it gave up something like... I, I think they, they had 32 rushing yards in the first half. and They finished with 110, 115, maybe 120. Somewhere around there is a solid number. It just took them a while to get going. And, you know, you saw Steven Montez running around a little bit. Uh, specifically in that overtime, even late, he he had to struggle to make plays there's there there needs to be improvement along that offensive line just like there needs to be improvement in just about every position group with five guys on the offensive line there there are a lot of different combinations that you can try and it'll be interesting going forward to kind of keep track of who's playing with who and how many reps they're getting and you know, I wish looking back I'd ask Coach Cap, you know, is there is there a date in your mind where you would like to have everything set up where you'd have your five going forward? You know, is is this going to be two more weeks of just switching guys around so you can see what works best? Or is this gonna be something that could last the entire season? Um I don't know because I didn't ask and looking back I probably should have. But you know the answer is probably just going to be, we're going to go until we get it right, you know, football talk. But it's it's frustrating. It's frustrating for the guys who are playing as well. You know, Tim said that he he was a little hesitant to say that it is kind of distracting having those different guys in there. But it's just the truth, and that's not a surprise to anybody to hear that after spending whatever most of camp and the couple games so far with the guys on your left on and your right. Doing what they always do, you know, having the same tendencies, leaving guys, you know, there's this chemistry that gets built up, there's this ability to communicate that gets built up, and when you rotate guys in, that's gone. But you're building toward the end of the season. Uh, you're you're by by the end of the year, you want to have the best combination, the best team possible. And sometimes that means sacrificing a little bit early and making things tougher so that you can learn if there's a better way to do things. Cap specifically said that it's about finding the best middle three going forward. Whether that's I mean, it's I, I would guess, you know, Lannot at center, Colby Purcell, Kerry Kutch at guard. But, you know, those those were the three that they were rolling with. But you saw uh Chance Lytle and uh Casey Roddick get some reps at guard and you know some some things picked up and we'll see if that's if there's going to be a change at those positions going forward you know with Arlington Hambright and Will Sherman at your tackle spots you, you feel pretty good about that uh, I'm not sure if you guys follow the like the pro football focus stats on Twitter and I'm not I'm not big on pro football focus at all. Um, There are some things that are useful when they get into the really specific stuff, particularly in the NFL, you know, quarterbacks, passer ratings against zone defense, that kind of stuff. But they're just overall ratings. There's, there's some, there's a little bit too much human involved in those numbers. And I don't like that. So I'm not huge on them, but they are worth noting for sure. You know, there are a lot of guys who put a lot of stock in those. Um, And they say that Will Sherman has been one of the best tackles in the country so far, and that's exciting. Uh, It's just figuring out how to piece together this middle three and figuring out how you can roll out a group that will be solid, play in and play out, and that might take some time because when they do change things up, the chemistry is missing, and it's going to take a while for that chemistry to build up as well, so even when they have whatever the best combination might be, it might not seem like the best combination, Right away. So that's something to watch. You know, I do think that this offensive line has already taken a step forward from last year. Um, they performed much better against Nebraska than they did the year before. it's It's improving, and that's what you're looking for. and if if Coach Cap thinks that there's a way for this group to improve even more, I trust him in that. And I trust him to do whatever's best for the team you know, changing things around for half the season, it gets a little frustrating because you do just want to have the best group out there and you're throwing away games potentially by not having the best group figured out yet. Um, so it's, it's, it's worth watching. Pay attention to those rotations. See who's getting time. Um, do we learn anything else major this morning? I don't know that we did. Um talk to uh, Darian Rakestraw for a little bit. He will be the starter now that Aaron Maddox is out whatever four or five weeks with the well, like the lower leg laceration. Um, he's excited, you know, I think Adam Munster tiger noted in the noted one of his questions while Darian was at the podium, like, you know, Mel said, you're one of the guys who's really picked up this defense the best. Or maybe that was Brian Howell. I think it was Brian Howell. But uh, there, there shouldn't be a huge drop off. I I wouldn't think. I don't think that there, that's something you need to be expecting. But it's a change, and there's there's a reason that Aaron Maddox was starting, and whatever that reason might be, it's I actually didn't realize until Darian said today, but he's Aaron's roommate, and there's. A note, <laughs> I guess. Uh, yeah, it's it'll be interesting to see how he fills in. Fills in. I, I was impressed with Aaron in Saturday's game before he had to leave. He was running down, running backs. He, he was all over the field. He was making the plays you want, a playmaking safety to make, next to Mikhail Onu back there. I really liked that group. Now it's Darian's time to step up. It becomes interesting now because Sam Neuer might be the f- First safety off the bench going forward. He might be rotating in. Uh, Mel said that he's been impressed with how Sam has picked things up. Um, So watch out for that. See if Sam Neuer, the former quarterback, is now getting reps on the field at safety this week at Arizona State. Um, I think that it's time now to talk a little bit about Breckenridge Brewery. Uh, I've been drinking quite a few. Um Breck Beers recently. And as always, it's kind of been a blast. Like I said, went to the Broncos game yesterday. That was disappointing. That's a bad football team. Um not a huge surprise, but there was there was I, I thought there was some like light at the end of the tunnel that this would be a solid football team, a team that was going to at least be like competing for a wild card spot late in the season. And they don't look like that team right now. Obviously, there's still some time to turn things around, but as of now, they look like a bad football team and they're pretty frustrating to watch. Uh, the point is, though, Breckenridge Brewery helped me make it through that day of trying to try, trying to bear watching a Bronco game in 90 degree heat. Um, so shout out to Breckenridge Brewery for doing that for me. And they have done so much for me and for BSN Denver. We really appreciate their support and... We really hope that you guys will support them too. Lots of great beers. If you haven't had this Strawberry Sky yet, you've got to give it a try. It is so, so good. Like I mentioned, uh, Ali Monroy was making mimosas out of the Strawberry Sky, like champagne, orange juice, and Strawberry Sky, and they were incredible. So try that. Try them by itself because it is a really good beer. And support them because they support us. And it's important. It's part of the community we are trying to build here at BSN Denver. Hey guys, it's Allie and Lindsay here, and we want to talk to you about our new favorite wine subscription. It is Winester. The best thing about Winester is that they work with small wineries. You know BSN loves supporting small local businesses, and Winester is just that, supporting real people making real wine. These guys will curate a hand-picked shipment for you from the best small wine producers in the U.S. So my favorite part about Weinster is the fact that and I want to talk just a little bit about an interesting storyline in this week's game against Arizona State. Um, We don't really get into recruiting here for a bunch of reasons, um, partially because the guys at Rivals and 247 7 Sports, 247 Sports, I think it's 24-7. I think it is. I should ask Adam how you actually say that because I'm never confident when I say it. But yeah, over at 247 7 Sports... Uh, they do a great job. Adam Munster Tiger, Chase Howell, uh, Justin Guerrero. I don't don't know that I've ever said his last name out loud before, but I follow him on Twitter. Um, They all do a great job covering recruiting, so we kind of back off there and focus on some other things. There's that part. There's the part that it took me a while to learn what was going on with the Buffs and the Pac-12 and college football in general, and learning about all the recruits was just going to be another project. But... Now that I do know the buffs and the Pac 12 and have the basic understanding of all the different college football teams, uh, I've started to follow along with some of the recruiting a little bit. And one storyline in particular has really caught my eye. And it's kind of been the one that I have followed. Um, because there are so many, there are so many kids with offers, so many, and all these kids have incredible stories. And that's why there are sites dedicated just to covering all those stories. But the one that I have really followed is Brendan Rice, the son of Jerry Rice. He's from Arizona. He's a receiver. He's a three-star. I think somewhere gave him a four-star at some point. And, uh, he was pretty clearly going to go to Michigan, uh, very, very clearly going to go to Michigan. You know, 24-7 sports, they have their crystal ball projections, I think is what they call them, where they take a bunch of their writers who really know what they're talking about when it comes to a certain recruit or a school or whatever and ask them what their prediction is, um, where he will wind up. And at one point, I want to say it was like 90-something percent Michigan, like high 90s, like he was going to Michigan. And that was actually a few days before the Nebraska game. Uh, which which he attended in Boulder, um, sounds like that that changed some things for him, which is pretty exciting. Uh, he was out there. I think I mentioned that I got a chance to say hi to him for just a minute. He was out there with Keith Miller, Keith Miller the third, I believe. I mostly just know these guys from Twitter. Re- the recruiting world now is so strange. But Keith is committed to the Buffs. He's going to be a receiver here. Um, The talk is if he and Brendan both come here, it's gonna be the next, you know, LaVisca KD type thing. It's tough to kind of project a guy as LaVisca, but you know, that's that's what that's what they're calling it. Um so Brendan comes out here for the game. Keith's already committed. Brendan sees all of it. Obviously they storm the field, all that kind of stuff. They call it the best football game I've ever seen. And now some now some projections are flipping. I think it's something like 60-something percent Michigan, and 20-something percent Colorado. Uh Everything is kind of trending this way, which is exciting because not only is he the son of Jerry Rice, but he is a very, very good receiver. And he's built uh like like very few receivers on the Buffs roster are. You know, he's 6'2", 208, I think is what he's listed at. Uh, if you go through the Buffs roster, you know, obviously LaVisca Shenault, 6'2", 225. He's massive. Um, but then a guy like Daniel Arias, 6'4", 200. So throw eight pounds, take two inches off, you can't see it. Fonte Chenault, 6'2", 190. Throw 18 pounds on him. You know, this is a guy who's he's he's built, and he's an exciting prospect. I've been going down the YouTube rabbit hole, and I've had a lot of fun with that. going to start trying to get into a little more recruiting stuff. I'm not really sure how exactly to incorporate it into our coverage, but... These are some fun storylines, and I bring that one up because today, Brendan tweeted that he's signing soon. Sounds like it's going to be sometime in the next month. I think 24-7 might have put a date on it, actually. But uh, but he also has an offer from Arizona State, who the Buffs play Saturday, in case you haven't heard, uh, night game down in Tempe. And temp, I don't know, I don't know how to say that word either. I've heard a lot of people say Tempe. And I, th- I always, I always thought they put too much emphasis on the e. Does does not matter at all though. Uh, the point is, he's being pursued by Arizona State. Uh, they are not the favorite. Michigan, Colorado, and then like eight percent undecided, according to twenty four seven. But Brendan is going to be there at the game on Saturday. So There's a little subplot for you. If if Brendan sees two Buffs games, one of them is. Colorado at home beating Nebraska and everybody storming the field. And then Colorado goes into Tempe, Tempe and beats Arizona State. That's, I mean, it's it's tough to beat that, beating the division rival right there. It's, it's exciting to get into that. Um, and we want to do just a little bit more of that. Uh, so keep an eye out. Maybe we can do like once a week talk a little bit about recruiting because it is important. It's very important. That's the future of the program. And that's supposed to be one of Mel Tucker's calling cards, uh, that he is a great recruiter and that he can bring guys into Boulder that past coaches haven't been able to bring into Boulder. So we uh, pay it, pay attention. There's, there's one little storyline for you. And let's talk a little bit more about Arizona state on Saturday when you talk about this Arizona state team, I think there are really two key storylines that will stand out. And those are the two that we're going to cover today. And we'll dig in deeper throughout the week, but I kind of like going through these previews of teams by starting with what's important and getting like a basic sense of that. And then working from there throughout the week, digging deeper and digging deeper. So we're just kind of building our knowledge as we go in. We're going to see how that goes. Uh, you guys probably don't care. So here's the story with Eno Benjamin, the second-team All-American running back last year, one of the great talents in the in NCAA football. You know he's one of those guys you could put right up there as the most talented player in the Pac-12, but he hasn't really played like it this year. You look back through the stats of the last couple games, Kent State. First game of the year, 30-7 to win for Arizona State. And he ran the ball 22 times for 102 yards, 4.6 yards per carry, no touchdowns. That's not exciting stuff. You know, he did have the receiving touchdown, which helps. But 4.6 yards per carry against a Kent State team, not all that impressive. Then you get to the next week, Sacramento State, a Big Sky Conference team. 24 carries, 69 yards. 2.9 yards per carry. Um, he did have like a 72-yard touchdown catch, though, so there is that. Um, and then you get to last week against Michigan State, a good football team. Uh, Arizona State won all three of these games, by the way. Sac State game was a little closer than it should have been. I think it was 3 nothing at halftime. But uh, then they beat Michigan State the next week. And Eno Benjamin, 11 carries, 38 yards, and a touchdown. He had 49 total yards in that game. You know... He's sitting at 3.7 yards per carry for the season, and that is a problem for this Arizona State team because it's really built around him. Um, They lost three of their five starters. You know, Brian Howell was talking about this this morning uh, while we were waiting for media availability. And I said, you know, I was kind of surprised. I didn't think that this offensive line would take this big of a step back. They were one of the best groups in the league or in the NCAA last year. Finalists for the Offensive Line of the Year Award. That puts them in the top 15 offensive lines in the country. They were really good. And they lost three starters. But I, w- I was thinking, you know, if you are that good, even though you're replacing guys, you'd think that you'd have guys ready to go. You know, because that's kind of what your team is built around having that offensive line, and I figured they could have a couple of those guys who are ready to step up. There are a couple of guys I liked, a couple solid recruits who are who are in that starting lineup now. You know, it's still a very ex- experienced group. They're starting five seniors on that offensive line, even if they are changing a couple. It's uh it's a surprise to me. It was not a surprise to Brian though that this offensive line is really holding Eno you know, Benjamin back, uh holding him down to three point seven yards per carry. That's a storyline that I wasn't expecting coming into this game, but this defense has been outstanding. And like that was not one of the things I wanted to talk about today, so we're gonna skip over it. That's what's keeping them in games. The offense has been pretty pathetic. I mean, they put up thirty-five or thirty points on Kent State, nineteen points on Sac State. 10 points on Michigan State. Not what you want to be doing against any of those teams. You know, 10 points against Michigan State, you could see a way where that was going to happen before, but you figured Arizona State was going to lose that football game, which went to overtime, by the way. Um, So that's Eno Benjamin. That's the running back. That's the state of the Arizona State running game. You know, they, they come off a win over Michigan State, but it's not... It's not the most impressive win over a top 25 team. The way they played, the way both teams played, neither could get much going. Um, and it's scary that Arizona State beat Michigan State, but then you think back, you know, Colorado didn't beat Nebraska too. Uh, either way, the the Sun Devils are 3-0, and and part of the reason why, is their quarterback, which is the other big storyline for this team, true freshman Jaden Daniels has looked like he belongs as a starter in the Pac-12 at quarterback as as an 18 year old. He's been really impressive. Um, you know, 24/7 had him as a .98 recruit, four stars, number two number number two dual threat quarterback in his class. There was a lot of hype. Still didn't really know up until a week or two before the season that he was going to start over Dylan Sterling Cole. But when he went out there week one, he he looked like he belonged. You know, this was supposed to be what was holding back this team this season. And so far, Jaden Daniels has looked good. Uh, 70.7 QBR per uh, ESPN, that's their quarterback stat, puts him 39th in the country cannot complain about that, especially when you remember that he's best known for the way he uses his legs. Um, it's tough to get good numbers on his rushing yards because in college football, uh, sacks and the yards from sacks are credited to quarterbacks, and which is just stupid. It's really bad because it makes it tough to evaluate rushing stats. But throwing the ball He's completed over 60% of his passes in two of three games, um, the one he didn't being Michigan State. He's thrown for 284 yards the first week, 304 yards the second, only 140 last week. Um, but that was his best QBR. You know, it's it's been pretty impressive. He's been fairly efficient for the type of quarterback he is. He has that thing that I've talked about a couple times, I think with Andre. On the draft podcast, when we're talking about guys like Jalen Hurts, who who can move, when they throw the ball on the run, it almost looks more natural than when they're just standing in the pocket and throwing. It's just in rhythm, you know. They they almost look like shortstops the way they're like kind of moving. They get the ball on the run, keep moving, and throw the ball, and it's just so smooth and so fluid. Whereas when you see some guys in the pocket, they look stiff and rigid, and they stand the way that, you know, you're taught to stand. And it's almost like they're focusing too much on that, on keeping their back straight and all these different things. But when you see a guy like Jaden Daniels play, he looks like a Russell Wilson who's out there just running around and flinging the ball downfield, not worrying too much about mechanics, but just... it's He is has that about him i guess pat mahomes is the best example and these are lofty comparisons and there are lots of parts of Jaden daniel's game that aren't that good but uh like there's there's a reason he isn't those two guys at least right now but he does have that one thing they have where they just look fluid when they throw the ball on the run when they scramble out of the pocket and just rip one you, I love watching him play, and it's going to be a blast on Saturday. And that's kind of how I wanted to start off our talk about Arizona State, is that Eno Benjamin, he's terrifying. And he's only a junior, 5'10", 201. Uh, he was a second-team All-American last year, like I said, as a sophomore running back. He hasn't gotten things going this year, in part because of that offensive line. But it's it's scary. He, he's going to get things figured out. I'm confident of that. And the Buffs just need to make sure that it's not this week. Um, so that's one. And then number two, Jaden Daniels, true freshman quarterback, who's just a playmaker. And, you know, the Buffs have struggled with those types of quarterbacks in the past, particularly, you know, Khalil Tate comes to mind as just a dual-threat guy that they haven't been able to contain. Even Adrian Martinez in that first half against Nebraska – was just getting loose last year, Adrian Martinez. Who knows why that is? Um, and these are guys who do play well against teams other than Colorado. It's not like Colorado is just giving dual threat quarterbacks open running lanes. Nobody else is, but it's a it's going to be a challenge. And beating Arizona State starts with stopping those two guys. Um, and we're going to start digging into scheme and their defense and all of that sort of stuff. Uh, hopefully tomorrow. And I'm really excited for that. Uh, then it's time now to uh, talk just a little bit about our friends at StravaCraft. StravaCraft coffee is the CBD enriched coffee that has really changed lives. The reviews are incredible, so check them out. This CBD infused coffee has taken away long term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS, it has helped decrease anxiety, you name it. Uh, CBD is all natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it more to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use code BSN2019 at checkout, and you can get it shipped straight to your door. All right, we are into the final segment of the Monday edition of the BSN uh, Buffs podcast. Talking just a little bit about Arizona State. And now it's time to get into some questions that go back to uh, last week. Um, We've had two podcasts, so on the post-game podcast, we don't go through questions or comments. Uh, So we have two podcasts worth of comments to get through. I think that's like eight total. So uh, we're going to try to get through all of them today. If things go long, we might save just one or two for tomorrow, but let's get into it. Uh, This is from last week, the last show before Air Force, when B-Mixer said, oh, and this is so sad looking back. Uh, I would would take a 35-14 or so game. I think it will be a bit higher scoring, more like 42-24. I think both teams will score on some big plays. Volleyball will be better next year. They do not lose a lot, and their best hitter from the summer will be eligible, and the freshmen will have gone through some wars. They will be up and down this year because of youth, in my opinion. Totally agree. You know, it's, it's tough. I don't think we've talked about this on the podcast. Buffs dropped uh, both matches to Colorado State. Uh, first in Fort Collins on Thursday, they were swept, and it wasn't really that close in any of the match or games. So many volleyball words, sets, games, matches. And then uh, Friday, they lost in Boulder. Uh, I was there with my dad, uh, Ryan, and Allie. It was a blast. You guys should definitely be checking out this volleyball team because they are fun. But they did lose. And they lost in five sets. You know, it's a best of fives. They took them the distance. And they just didn't quite have the juice left at the end and fell flat. Uh, It's tough because they were undefeated coming into those two matches. And they'd beaten a better team than Colorado State. It swept a better team than Colorado State, but that's what the, this volleyball coach was talking about last week, saying uh, this team is very talented, but they're young, and sometimes the talent will outweigh the inexperience, and sometimes the inexperience will be too much to overcome. Like B-Mixer B- said, next year they're going to be real good. The next couple years they're going to be really good. Uh, follow along, because even though they are young, they're going to be really exciting, in part because you just don't know what to expect out of them. Uh, give them a watch. I haven't looked through the schedule this week. Uh, I'll, I'll get you guys what's going on here soon. I think actually soccer might be at DU Thursday or Saturday. I'll let you know. I'll let you know. Uh, Silver Buff says, Speaking of signing up for things, how is the subscriber race at this point? I'd imagine BSM Buffs is pulling away from the sheep. So, the race ended when we stopped the promo code a week or two ago, two weeks ago, probably. Um, Sco Buffs was the promo code. It's been a while. I used to have to tell you guys about that every day. Uh, I have not gotten the final numbers of whether the Buffs, BSN Buffs or BSN Rams got more subscriptions through that promo code. And I haven't even thought about it since it ended. I will go back and check though. I think going into that last day, we had a five or six subscriber lead. So, Hopefully that held up. I will figure that out for you, Silverbuff, and be back soon. All right. Now, on to the comments from the Reflecting on the Loss to Air Force podcast. And we have five here. Uh, so we will start at the bottom. Silverbuff again uh, said his name twice. I think I'm going to have to say it again later. It's going to tie his record. Uh, I hate to say it, but if the Buffs miss a bowl game, I'd almost rather they finish with four wins versus five. After two straight five-win seasons and a 2015 season where CU missed a bowl by two scores, I'd rather rather not think we were so close. Everyone would point to the missed uh, XP as the play, extra point as the play that kept five wins CU from a bowl because that's easy, when the real reason CU lost to Air Force was a lack of consistency. Yeah, I mean... I'd be pro winning as many games as possible just because that helps. Who knows what that helps? You know, it, maybe a recruit is swayed by that one extra win in there somewhere. Maybe somebody in the athletics department is more willing to throw a little more money at the program. Maybe some booster sees a little more light at the end of the tunnel because it is another five-win season. They want to help push the team over the edge, throws a couple bucks use way. You know, it's, it's the same thing in the NFL. I'm really low on taking in the NFL just because there are all those aspects. And the best thing you can do in the NFL, I mean, first of all, draft well, and that's why he would take. But also if you can get guys to sign with you for less than they would sign with another team. And all of those little things add up, whether they're winning games, whether they're keeping it close in games, you know, there there's there's some value to those things that just isn't always captured when you're talking about tanking you know NBA is a little bit different because one player really can change a franchise and this is a tangent but that's where tanking kind of does make sense where you just trade everybody trade them for young guys prospects and then get some picks back improve your own picks that makes sense because you can rebuild a team so quickly NFL is a lot tougher uh, This has nothing to do with the Buffs. So we're going to get back to the Buffs. And yeah, I feel you. It'd be easier on your heart. But five wins, probably maybe something changes because of that fifth win. Um, It is a lack of consistency, though. All right. NYTJ Buff fan. FYI. Oh, this is a comment on his first comment. There we go. Uh, NYTJ Buff fan. Henry, I must disagree with your take that the key to the offense is letting Steven throw the ball deep more. That seemed to be all they tried to do in the first half and through the third quarter. The number of incompletions on downs when three or four yards would have kept them ahead of the chains and progressing down the field was maddening. Further, it almost seemed like they were trying to force the ball to LaVisca on Saturday. That, too often, looked like the inept offense from the latter part of last season. Conversely, what they should have done is run the darn ball. Mangum was hot and they didn't feed him. He had it going and they kept putting Fontenot back in the game. Fontenot was running tentative, and Mangum was running like a man possessed. To add to this, when the defense is gassed from being on the field for 7- or 8-minute drives, the offense has to give them time to get their feet under them. Coach Tucker talks about complimentary football, and they absolutely weren't playing it on Saturday. I understand they thought they could out-athlete Air Force with the wide receivers. What they didn't account for is the fact that Air Force outquicked our offensive line when two-thirds of the plays were pass plays. We had to beat them down, then throw deep. That, unfortunately led to Montez taking some vicious shots as well. So, from what I saw, your take is wrong. Montez is good, but not great, and definitely hasn't proven to be somebody that makes the offense go on a consistent basis. We can use him to take the top off the defense after they have to respect the run, not the other way around, just one man's two cents. I think that's fair. You know, I I really do see your point there. This is one of those situations where... I mean, I guess there is like a wrong answer. If they Buffs tried all these different things, something would come out ahead. But right now, when we're trying to figure out how you get this thing going, if you want to say that it's involving the tight ends more, whether it's going four wide, whether it's pounding the rock every chance you get, whether it's running outside, all these things, like you could make a claim and I will totally, totally respect that. I would love for this to be a team that can establish the run. But I just don't trust it as much as I trust passing the ball. You know, the the frustration on my end comes from their inability to run the ball in the first half when they did only put up, whatever, 30-something rushing yards. Maybe, maybe that's how you go about changing it. You just commit. Maybe once they get this offensive line figured out. But it seems like once they start playing Pac-12 defenses, their biggest advantage is going to be these receivers, and you have to find a way... To, I always think use your strength to open up whatever's best. In terms of a basic football strategy, 100% of the time, I would love for a team to be built on establishing the run first. It's so much more consistent. Like you said, it runs clock. That's how you close out games is being able to run the clock. uh, Keeps the defense on the sideline, all of those things. And it really establishes an identity as a team that is in control of that game. You don't have the 30-second three-and-outs that you can have when you pass the ball. At the same time, though, more than I believe in that, I believe in using your best players to open things up for the rest of the team. So that's LaVisca Chenault, Katie Nixon. Get them to ball somehow, and and then everybody else's matchup is easier. And that's how you use it. You know, I see the other way, though, because... Oh, let's continue with this comment. I, I peeked at the second half of this comment. Uh, FYI, I went back and analyzed every offensive play from the game and noticed an interesting trend. I looked at the play calling for second and five or greater. One, on the drives that ended in a punt or an interception, we threw the ball on every play. Further, on exactly zero of those plays, did we gain a first down by throwing the ball. Uh, we had two false start penalties – Three incomplete passes, one interception, and two complete passes for minimal gains six and three yards. Uh, two, the same is true of our field goal drive one pass, one incompletion. Uh, three, on our three touchdown drives, we ran the ball six times and only passed four times. The runs were also earlier in the drives and kept the team ahead of the sticks and out of third and long. Of the passes, only one resulted in a first down, second and 13, with a gain of 15 yards to Chenault. Uh, four, the only drive where running the ball on second and five or greater didn't result in points was the overtime drive where Fontenot gained zero yards on second and 10. So if, if that was, I don't know, that's a lot of inter- information packed in. It might be easier to go back and read it, but those are definitely interesting stats so if you want to check them out they're in the comment section which i think is open to everybody even if you don't subscribe i think you can read the comments on the podcast um interesting stuff for sure so we became predictable in the drives that resulted in a punt or interception went away from the balance and gave up on the run too early long story short keep running the darn ball yeah i mean the numbers are important there uh I like that you use second and five and greater to look at things because you know those are you kind of have that that's a that's a place where you have the option to run or pass and so you can choose to do whatever you want there. I like the stats. I like the uh, effort it takes to put all those together, and I kind of want to see what happens with those numbers throughout the season because you know whatever it was, twelve possessions, ten possessions, something like that, probably around 10 possessions. You know, that's a decent sample size, but you need a little bit more. Um, I want to see if it holds up and whether this is something that's true throughout the season that when they are in those situations where they can run or pass, better things happen when they run the ball. Um, all right, where's the next comment? I got to scroll up. This is from Jay Robinson, 528. Hey, th- maybe a first-time commenter. Welcome, Jay Robinson, 528. Uh, Henry, one thing that you did not address was the amount of penalties on the offense. Very true. Uh, A couple of drives were killed by multiple false start penalties. This is a problem that seemed to plague McIntyre buffs teams. But after the CSU game, I was hoping that they had turned it around. Now the dumb penalties are starting to creep back into the offense. Has Mel Tucker addressed this at all? It's a good question. Um, I agree that these are... Definitely a problem. And there's something that I did want to focus on. And they're going to be a little piece of the story I'm working on now. They'll probably drop tomorrow. But I can't think of Mel Tucker addressing the penalties specifically. But it kind of falls into that category of consistency. You know, we heard him say a couple times in the post-game presser, it's death by inches. Those are mistakes that you just can't come back from. Um, they set you behind the sticks they they force you to be one dimensional. We were just talking about those second and five stats. You know, I guess like a second and fifteen would fit into that second and five and greater. So you're forcing the ball downfield a little more often, all that kind of stuff. So your passing game is a little less efficient because of that. But that's kind of the point is that when you're forced into those second and fifteen, second and ten even, second and twelve, running the ball becomes less viable and the defense plays the pass harder because it knows that's what you want to do and it becomes difficult to complete those passes you know it just it just makes it really hard to keep a drive going when you have those penalties I don't think I'm saying anything groundbreaking by saying that but yeah that's something that needs to be cleaned up Um the offensive line had its struggles you know even Tim Linat he snapped the ball over Steven Montez's head and we talked before the season a little bit about how That's one of those things that happens when you don't know where your pieces go. He doesn't get as many reps at center and his snaps might have been a little bit off during camp too. Um, The offensive line is still growing and I think it's still growing maybe more than any other part of this football team just because of the way they are rotating players in and out. Because at least at the other positions you kind of have an idea where everybody stands, and it's just seeing how much you can get out of guys. You know, there's no doubt in my mind that the starting inside linebackers are Nate Landman and John Van Deest. It's just seeing whether those are two pac 12 linebackers or whether they're two guys who are stopgaps, and I really am high on both of them, and I think that they're both guys who are very good defenders, but the point is there are your two guys there, and you just have to get everything you can out of those two, which is making it tougher for the offensive line because you don't know who your five are. They're, I'd say there's seven guys right now who could fill those five spots. It just adds this little bit of frustration, and you see uh, you see these, this kind of stuff with the false starts, the holdings, because they don't have the chemistry. They aren't used to being on the field. Um, NYTJ Buff fan responded to that comment, said, Agree, these are mental penalties that demonstrate the focus level of a team or individual. The team had four false start penalties, which was four too many. Uh, agree with that. Um, well, we'll finish Con. A couple of our more reliable players as well. Sherman with two, Brady Russell one, and uh, Stanley with one. Russell had a holding penalty on the same drive as his false start, too. That drive ended in a punt. The only drive in which we were able to overcome the penalty was the first drive of the game. Every other drive with the penalty ended in a punt or interception, which I bet will be a trend throughout the season. NYTJ Buff fan is really killing it with the research. He uh, he might take that crown from a Cisneros. Um, yeah, the one thing I don't totally agree with. So you said these are the mental these are mental penalties that demonstrate the focus level of a team or individual, the false starts. And I think that there's definitely a lot of that that's true, but saying it's a focus penalty makes it sound like these are guys who just aren't focused on the game, like they're distracted. They're distracted because there's so many changing pieces. There's so much going through their mind that they aren't, Like they're, it's not that they aren't focused on football. It's that they're focused on so many things that they make those little mistakes. It's that there are parts of the offense that they're still trying to identify. And part of that comes from having that rotation, having guys where you just don't know whether to expect. And I do think most of the penalties were before they started rotating guys in, now that I think of it. But there's so much on their mind that that's what happens. That's where it's a focus penalty, not in that they're lackadaisical or something like that. Um, Lots of great comments today. This was a great comment day. Hopefully, we can do this again tomorrow. Um, yeah, as always, if you have a comment, commenting is um, a subs- an exclusive right for subscribers. Uh, go on to the post for today's show on bsndenver.com in the podcast section, the Buffs podcast section. will be like the top one. It'll say something about Arizona State or the offensive line or something like that. And uh, leave your comment. I'll read it tomorrow and we can talk then. That's all I've got for you guys today. Uh, let's get ready for Arizona State on Saturday. Saturday night, Pac 12 Network. Um, it's going to be a blast and there's a lot to talk about. Uh, see you guys tomorrow.
0: I think they like my Colorado sway. Cause when I'm in it play, I, don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm My Colorado Sway, my Colorado Sway. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado Sway. My Colorado Sway, my Colorado Sway. Man, I swear, I think they like my Colorado Sway. My Colorado Sway. Hey. Eating past competition. See you later, baby. baby. Colorado Army with soldiers like the navy. Yeah. And voters where we stationed patiently awaiting. Boy. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave. Yeah. I'm Colorado swagging as the crowd do the wave. Look into my eyes, I can tell that you're afraid uh-huh. Cause you know we finna hit, hit ya. ya. Hit ya. hit ya. Hey. Hey. You on your own now? Why you watching the official? Yeah. You just better hope you make it to the next whistle. <laughs> and we with till you, you can get it anytime. Yeah. It started at the scrimmage, we gon' win it at the line. Yeah. My Colorado swag, in the middle of the ring. Green. Throwing blows, knocking down team after the team. they like my Colorado swag, cause when I'm in that play. I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in that goal, you know I'm at and get a boss with my Colorado sway, my Colorado sway, my Colorado sway. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado sway, my Colorado sway, my colorado sway. My colorado sway. man I swear, I think they like my colorado sway. We got them, we don't, then we'll get them when we see them. Then we have they out. like my Colorado Sway, cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly, get a when with my Colorado Sway, my Colorado Sway, my Colorado Sway. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado Sway, my Colorado Sway, my Colorado Sway. My Colorado swag, cause when a minute play, I don't really know just how to act. And when a minute go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly, get a with my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag.
1: Mine, I swear, I think they like my Colorado swag.